Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 and keep your finger in verse 9. Hope you had a great first week of school. I got, uh, we have a little kindergartner, got her on the bus. She got off the bus the first day and said, Daddy, I love elementary school. Just love it. So I don't, maybe you didn't get that elementary school. So, so she, she might think it's that later, but right now she really really loves it. I, I wanted to start a series since school's going back, and, and uh, you know, you are who you are. I think there's a lot of factors that play into it, but one is who, the parents who raised you, and I thank God I have great parents. They'll be here at 11 o'clock. They're part of our church, and, and I'm just so appreciative of them. The mentors who helped shape you, the people that are around your life that have spoken to your life, and then also the books that you read or the books that have inspired you. And so over the next five weeks, I want to take some of the most important books I think that have impacted my life and just kind of share them with you. And we don't have them for sale or anything like that, but, but I would encourage you to maybe get a copy of it, even if, if you can. The first book is Could You Not Tarry One Hour by Larry Lee. It was written for you that are, are a little bit younger than me. It was written in 1987. And so I, I look, you can't get it, but, but I was a junior in high school. So when it was written, and I was struggling with... With my prayer life, I loved God. I knew I knew I wanted to serve Jesus. That was not an option to me. I, I mean, I, I, I had my mistakes, my failures, my shortcomings, but, but I wanted to be a person of prayer. And I, I'd been taught and I knew the power of prayer, that God doesn't do anything with outside people praying, that prayer is the foundation for our relationship with God, that prayer is necessary to ensure that we grow spiritually, that prayer is fundamental in our, in our commitment to Christ. That prayer is the way you defeat the devil. Prayer is the way that the lost get saved, that you acquire wisdom, that the backslider is restored, that the nation is healed, that we get labors for the mission field. It's how the sick are healed. Prayer accomplishes so much, so important. And I don't think I need to persuade you, but, but when we pray, we align ourselves with Almighty God and are able to tap into His power. Because we pray, God works in us and through us and with us in ways he would not otherwise do. And, and, and I know God is God and he could have done it however he wanted to. But for some reason, he wanted to partner with us, his creation, and say, Hey, when you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's going to be a connection there. There's going to be a, uh, there, there, I'm going to work and I'm going to, I'm going to do something because of that. The early church, if you study anything, the book of Acts, it was birthed and sustained in prayer. I mean, prayer saturated the early church like salt saturated the ocean. From the beginning to the end, they were a people of prayer. They believed that the reason the church was growing so exponentially, the reason that, that they were accomplishing and doing so much was because of their commitment to God through prayer. Throughout scripture, God admonishes us to pray. He says, seek, seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. I mean, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin, and I'll hear their, heal their land. Prayer, I mean, just, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So I understood the importance of prayer, and I think you do too. I mean, I think you, it goes without saying, it's vital, it's, it's such an important part of a believer's life. But the problem was, I didn't know how to pray. And I would get in prayer, and, and I, I don't, don't think that I've got this all figured out and all worked out either, because I'm still working through my prayer life, and some days my pr I, it's just awesome, and some days it's just flat, and, and I don't know why that is or what it is, but when I was trying to pray, I would get distracted very easily, 
I, if I, if I, I have to walk and pray, because if I sit, I would fall asleep. I mean, it was, well, I just felt like I was saying the same thing over and over. I mean, how many times can I say, Lord Jesus, God? I mean, just how, how many, and so what I do, and you know what I found out? I wasn't the only one asking the question. I mean, I wanted to pray. I had a desire to pray. I wanted to connect with God. I wanted him to see the work. I wanted him to work on behalf of my life and my family and my church. But I just couldn't spend time in prayer. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And the disciples asked the same questions. They'd observed Jesus praying. They'd, they'd walked with him for three years. And, and not up to that point now. It was just for a season. But they'd walked with him. They saw that he did everything by prayer. He woke up early before sun and, and went and found a place to pray. After he did ministry, he prayed. During ministry, he prayed. And these disciples weren't unfamiliar with prayer. They were, they were Jewish. They grew up in the synagogue. They knew, they knew formulas. They knew, they knew rituals. They knew prayers. But they didn't know how to pray like Jesus prayed. They didn't know how to connect with their father. When Jesus prayed, it was like God listened and there was a connection. And so they asked, they asked Jesus, will you please? And I love it. They never asked him to teach us to preach. Never asked him, Lord, will you please teach us how? To pray. And so Jesus gives them a blueprint. He gives them a pattern. It's laid out in this book. It changed my prayer life. I still use it to this day, 20-something years later. He gives them just a roadmap of how you might want to spend time in prayer. And this is how he starts out. Acknowledge and give praise to God. When you go with God, when you get alone with God, when you're ready to spend some time with God, I think the best, this is what Jesus said, just begin by acknowledging and giving praise to God. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I think you need to understand this too. Our Father God is a good God. I don't know what kind of father you had growing up. I don't know if he was good to you, mean to you, if he was a pampering daddy or if he was a mean daddy. I don't know what you had, but I, you need to know that God is a good God. I found one thing. I think my theology can be summed up in the really two, three, four words. God is good and Satan's bad. And we blame a lot of stuff on God where it ought to be blamed on the world we live in, the lives we're living, and the enemy that we're up against. God is a good God. When, when they, were, they were wrestling back, Jesus was trying to, to correlate between an earthly father and, a, and his fatherhood and, and what he was about. And he said, hey, look, if you ask your daddy for a, a, a fish, he's not going to give you a stone. And if you ask him for a bread, he's not going to give you a snake. And then he went on to say, if you then, though you are evil, speaking of earthly fathers, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven good give, good give, give good gifts to those who ask him? God is a good God. If you don't get this, how, how are you going to approach a God who you don't think is for you or wants to do something in your life or has good things for you or wants to, wants to bless you and wants to help you? God is a, is a very good God. And here's what it says. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That word hollow just means to praise, to set apart, to exalt, to come into his presence with thanksgiving, to enter his courts with praise. Many times we just rush in and bombard the presence of God with what we want and what we're thinking. And, and God says, hey, just slow down a minute and just praise me. What, what does that do? It gets our minds and our focus on him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Stay full of his wonderful grace. And when you do the things of this world, just get smaller and smaller and he gets bigger and bigger. It's just, it's just the, the way that we can praise him through singing and 
And that's why I love, I love our worship time, where it just gets us into the presence of the Lord. I often will throw on a CD or use my phone, or I'll just sing a familiar song. I'll, I'll walk and sing, and, and just, God, I just want more of you. And I can rehearse him for who he is. He's a, again, I've said it before, but he's a good God. He's a God that gives peace and a God who promises to never leave us. And, and he's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals me. And he's the God who provides. That name is Jehovah Jireh. And he's the God who guides and he's the God who forgives. And as I rehearse the names of God and his goodness and his faithfulness and his qualities and his attributes, it just puts him in his right place and helps me understand that I'm not God, he is. And I want to bless him. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. And, and bless his holy name and forget none of his benefits. Who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Who redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion. Who does all it. And when we just say, I'm just going to, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm just going to praise your name. Honor your name. Bless your name. There's something that just gets us right. That, that's the first that's the first sign. That's the first road sign, the first yield. Before you just bombard, hey, take a moment here and give praise. Here's the next thing. Surrender your will and priorities to God. You, you've worshipped, you've praised, and, and now, and here's, the, here's, here's what he said. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I know what I want, and I know what I want you to do. But because you're all-knowing, because you're God, you know what's best. I want what you want. I surrender to the control of my heart to you. I give you the reins of my life. Not my will, but thy will be done. See, this here is a confession of faith. It says, because you're God, I trust you. Because you're God, I surrender to you. Because you're God, I depend on you. Before I make my request known to you, I want you to know more than anything that I trust you. And I want your will to be accomplished in my life, in my church, and in my nation, and in my world. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. My heart is deceitfully wicked. Your ways are eternally good. So I yield to your leadership and I submit to your control. And I, and I understand your supreme authority that you, are, that you are a sovereign God. And I pray let your kingdom come. And your will be done on earth. So first, I, cut, I acknowledge God through praise and worship. And, and I, write this down, please, please, please write it down and, 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 and use it in the coming days. It will really help you in your prayer time. Go to, and then secondly, submit to his control. Submit to his reign. Uh, to, to surrender your will and your priorities to God. And then the third thing Jesus tells us when he's teaching us to pray, make your provisions and needs known to God. Some people think, well, I don't need to ask because, because God already knows, or that seems selfish or self-seeking. But, but all throughout Scripture, God says to, to ask, give us today our daily bread. In an earlier passage, he said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and he who knocks the door will be open. James said, we have not because we ask not. I've worshipped. My focus is on God. I've surrendered. Now, hopefully, my will is in line and in tune with God. And, and so now I can begin to make my requests known to God. I, I, I begin to, where I pray every, just about every day. I pray for Angie, my spouse. I just pray, Lord, open her eyes to your goodness. Lord, give her a great day. Watch over her. Let, her. let her know how much you love her. If she has a specific thing she's doing that day, I'll pray over that. I'll pray for my kids. God, protect them. 
As they, I have teenagers, I have teenagers and young ones, as they drive up and down the road, watch it, may the angels of the Lord encamp around them. As my 10-year-old daughter goes to Cosby High School, Lord, surround her with godly influences and, and put people of faith in her life. I pray for her teachers and the administration that they will do the right thing according to God's word. I, I, I just pray over my kids that God will bless them and keep them and, and their hearts will remain sensitive. And when they, get, when they sin, that they'll get caught. That when they mess up, they'll, they'll be quick to confess it. I, I just pray God's grace over them. I take time to pray over the church. Lord, I pray almost regularly, God, will you intensify your presence in our meetings? Will you manifest your power? Will you establish your people? I take time to pray for you, that God will help grow you, that you'll come to know God in a more personal way, that you'll sow seeds that benefit others. I pray for our nation, God, and that's, that's in Scripture, man. I don't care if you like our president or not. He's our president, and we're to intercede for him, and we're to pray for him, and we're to, we're to call down heaven on his behalf, and so I pray for our country. Lord, let those men lead, not as, not as politicians, but let some patriots raise up, and I just pray for our nation that we'll turn our hearts back to God, and, and I pray for our world with, with the natural disasters. I tell you what I've, I've been praying for is this ISIS stuff. It's of the devil. It's demonic. And the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. We're not even wrestling a bunch against a bunch of men. We're wrestling against a demonic force, a, a devil that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through prayer for the pulling down of strongholds. I just, I just want to believe that if the church, I mean, if we really started to pray in faith, believe it, and collectively we prayed and individually we prayed, what could be pulled down? What could be accomplished in the spiritual if we were people of prayer? I mean, we prayed and went after God. And I think why people don't is, one, they don't know how. And I'm helping you right now. And two, they, they don't think God's answering. I'm, he is a God that wants to respond and is willing to respond. He's even said, if you'll pray, I'll hear and heal and deliver and touch. And then prayers work. It is. It's, it's and this is what I hope your prayer life, I hope something stirs up within you where prayer is a desire. Man, I want to pray. I want to be a person of prayer. And it turns into a discipline that you put it into your routine, put it into your, your way of life, that it just becomes something that you do. And I think if you'll stay in that discipline long enough, it will become a delight where you go, man, I miss my prayer time and, and it stinks. I got I to gotta spend time with the Lord. So I, I pray for our nation. I pray for, for myself during that time, whatever I'm going through or struggling with or the issues. I, place, I pray for whatever God has placed on my heart. If you're looking for something to pray for, can I just can I encourage you to pray for me? Do you know 50% of pastors feel unable to meet the needs of their job? 90% say they were inadequately trained. 70% say they have a lower self-image than when they started. 33%, one in three have a moral failure. Pastors are dropping out. If you're struggling with something to pray, just will you lift me up? Will you lift our pastoral staff up to you to the Lord? That the Lord will just help us and, and, and be with us. God has told us to ask, so let's ask. God has told us to cast our needs on him, so let's cast those needs. God has told us not to be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition to make our requests known to God. So let's make them known. James said the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let's be powerful and effective through prayer. And this is what Jesus said. We, have, we can approach the throne room of grace with confidence, with assurance, with boldness. And we may receive grace and find help in our time of need.
So I've spent some time in worship, right out the gate. Lord, you're good. Just rehearsing his faithfulness and his greatness. And then I went into just surrendering my rights. God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts higher. And I surrender to your will. And then I've made my request known to God. Hey, God, this is what's on my heart. And this is what I'm praying for. And then the fourth thing is examine your personal relationships to ensure that you're right with God. This is very important. Here, here's what Jesus said. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There are a few things that will hinder your prayer life and, and, and almost block. It doesn't shut the ears of the Lord. But if you think of a telephone line, and, and I'm probably thinking, I don't even know how they do it nowadays, but I'm thinking of a, of a line that goes, it's probably not right, but just help me. If a line goes to the next phone, and, and, and how you block it is there could get a block or a kink or, or something could get messed up so it just can't get through. Unconfessed sin can block your prayer life. And I, I don't mean you're struggling with sin. In fact, when you're struggling with sin, that's the time you need to go to God in prayer. But the devil wants to convince us, oh, you can't address God because you're struggling in this issue. That's a lie. And you need to go. I'm talking about a lax attitude towards sin. I'm talking about a no regard for sin. Bible says if you if you don't regard iniquity in your heart, if you don't care about it, if it's not an issue to you, if you just say, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do and God's going to hear me, that's a block in your prayer line. That's going to keep your prayers from getting from getting noticed. If you lack faith, the Bible says, he does not receive because he doesn't have any faith. James said those who come to God but don't believe that he's going to do what he said he's going to do, they're like a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. They shouldn't even think they're going to receive from the Lord. There's another thing. Unforgiveness blocks your prayer line. And I can't emphasize or stress this enough. Uh, Jesus said in, Mark, in just Matthew, Matthew 5, just a little bit before this, he said if you're at the altar, if you're worshiping God, and there you realize that you have ought against somebody or somebody has ought against you, you've offended or been offended, get up and go make it right. And then come back and offer your gift. Because there's something about unforgiveness that, 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 that keeps us. That, and that's why Jesus said later on after this in verse 14, that if you don't forgive others who sin against you, I'm not, going to sin, I'm not going to forgive you. If you don't give it, you don't receive it. And, and this is the place in your prayer life. Lord, have I offended anybody? And, and you might not even know it, but Lord, I, I just ask that you'll forgive me. Has somebody offended or hurt or has ought against me? Have so, has somebody hurt me? That's your time to say, Lord, I release it. I, I, I relinquish it. I, I give it up. Here, here's what you got to do. First, you have to receive God's grace. As we also have forgiven, forgive us our debts. You know what the word debt right there is? There's many usages for debt. But this is a word, when you study it, it means a debt you cannot repay. If you were to work 10 lifetimes, you could not. It's a bankruptcy debt. It's a debt that you just can't pay. And what God is saying is, look, I've forgiven you of, uh, of so much, and you need to receive my grace. It's like I was thinking about it today, and I, I've been reading the Gospels again. And, 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 and when, when Jesus, you remember where Pilate said, hey, let me give you, uh, you want somebody. Let me, give you, let me give you Jesus. And they said, no, we don't want Jesus. 
Jesus, we want Barabbas. We, we want a murderer. We want Jesus to die, and we want Barabbas to live. Jesus has done nothing. Barabbas is killed, but we want him out of there, and we want Jesus to take his place. And I just get this picture in my mind that these jailers, they got their keys and their weapons, and they, they're walk, clanking their keys, and they, they come to the jail cell, and, and Barabbas is over in the corner. He probably hadn't eaten in a few days. He's on death row. He's waiting for that, that sentence. He's waiting for them to come him, come get him so they can execute him. And, and they say, Barabbas, wake up, buddy. It's, I don't know if they call him buddy, but get up, Barabbas. It's time to go. What do you mean it's time to go? The, the, the death is not till Friday. It's scheduled for Friday. Today's Thursday. What do you mean it's time to go? Well, somebody's taking your place. This man, Jesus, they're going to make him die for you, and you get to go free. And, and you're, Can you imagine the excitement and, and, and what, what this murder is now set free? And I, that's the same thing Jesus did for me. I was rotten in a jail going to hell because of my sins. But Jesus, in his mercy and in his grace, took my place. He died so I could live. He who knew no sin became sin for me so that in him I might become the righteousness of Christ, my righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we've got to understand that because if we think we have to earn our forgiveness, I've got to pray five times a week and I've got to make sure I'm in church every Sunday, and, I, and then we'll make other people earn forgiveness. But if we understand the depths of God's grace, then we'll be able to give it. And the Bible says, freely, freely you have received, freely you must give. It's a, it's a point in your life, a point in your prayer time where you can, just, you can just pause and say, Lord, I just release those people that have hurt me. And, and Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And, and, and even at that point, it's time to pray for them and ask the Lord to really bless them and help them. And it'll, and it'll, go, it'll go such a long way even in your life. Here, here, here's what Hebrews 12 says. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. That's what I've been talking about. See to it. Well, I, I, I have God's grace because I'm good enough. I have God's grace because I was raised in the church. I have God's grace because I've never done the big three sins. I, no, 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 no. We have God's grace because God's good and Jesus died. But while we were yet sinners, Jesus, I don't care what your sin was. You were born with a sin nature and you needed forgiveness. You needed the, the blood of Jesus to wash you. See that you don't miss that, that you don't misunderstand it, that you don't take it for granted, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. When you miss the grace of God, you're not willing to give grace. And when you don't give grace, it causes trouble. It causes trouble. I think many, I think, one of the main reasons God's people are bound depressed, have a sin that won't let go, is because of their unwillingness to forgive. And it has caused trouble in their life, and it is defiling many. Unforgiveness will ruin you. And this is the place of mine every day, place in your prayer time, every day. Lord, you've been so good to me, you have forgiven me, and I choose to forgive everyone that's hurt me. I, I forgive and choose... I'm, I'm forgiving them even before it happens because I know somebody's going to say something stupid, do something dumb. And so, Lord, I just forgive them right now. It's going to happen, so I just forgive them in Jesus' name. That's good. Here's another thing. Ask for protection and deliverance from the evil one. And this is probably the most misunderstood and, 
This has caused more confusion, I think, than, a, than, than so, here's what Jesus said. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the question is, does God tempt? And you've got to understand the context of the word. This word temptation also can mean test or trial. It's used, in, it just, you can use it however, but it's, it, the definition is, is, is meant by the context. So you've got to know the context. So, so we do know, because we look at other scripture, James says, when tempted, that no one should say, God has tempted me. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God knows the power of sin. He will not... He does not want to cause you to sin. He does not want you. He's not going to lead you into sin. I mean, he, that's just the goes against his every, his nature. He can't be tempted with evil and he's not going to tempt you with evil. It doesn't work like that, but he will, there will be times where he will lead you into testings or trials with the main point to grow your faith, to make you more like Jesus. When, when, when Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, you remember, or into the desert. And he was tempted by the enemy for 40 days. And there was those temptations and there was those trials and there were those tests. The Bible says Jesus returned to, to Galilee out of the desert, out of the temptation, in the power of the Holy Spirit. There, there's something about when you're able to go through a test, it makes you stronger. So in that test, in that trial, the enemy will come and tempt you. Turn away from God. You need to do your own thing. God's not good. God's not going to be faithful. You don't need to be listening to him. Or you can allow your faith to be strengthened and even in the midst of it, say, God, I believe you. God, I, you're going to see me through. That I, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. And when you come out of that season of testing, if you'll stay faithful to the Lord, you'll be stronger. That's why, that's why James says, I know the testing of my faith produces perseverance character and care and this character that God's doing to me will not disappoint me it'll make me mature and complete not lacking in anything and so so when Jesus says lead us not into temptation what we're really praying is God when I'm going through seasons of trial or testing I know the enemy wants to still kill and destroy I know it's his plan to under to just trip me and mess me up, but help me to prove my faith by trusting you and help me to honor you and, 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 and help me to stay alert and keep my senses sharp so that when temptation comes, I'll resist and I'll fight and I'll flee and I'll overcome in the name of Jesus. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You get anything out of this? Here's the last thing. Give thanks for the promises of God. So, so again, when you go in your prayer time at night, during lunch, I want you to take this little outline, this pattern, and, and I, I think once you get it, it'll just become more natural. Again, I'm trying to take you from desire to discipline to delight, and the more you do it, the more you'll love it. The more you do it, the more you'll need it. The more you do it, the more you'll depend on it, and, and just, take, just acknowledge him through praise and worship. Thank you for who he is and for what he's done. Surrender your will and your priorities to God. Make your provisions need known to God. Examine your personal relationships. Ask for protection and deliverance. And then lastly, end where you started. Give thanks for God's promises. This is what he says. For thine is the kingdom. Again, it's just, just refreshing. God, you're sovereign. God, you're in control. Nothing surprises you. I'm just reminding myself, God, nothing catches you off guard. You're fully aware of your situ the situation I'm in. 
You know what today holds. You know what tomorrow holds. And every day after that. And I just declare, Lord, your kingdom, your power. And, and here it's just a declaration of faith. Again, that God, you, you're an all-powerful God. That nothing is too difficult for you. You fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. You gave a son to a man when he was 100 years old. You, you healed, you, you, you raised Lazarus from the dead. My lost son or daughter, God, nothing's too difficult for you. My marriage is headed for divorce. God, you're able because you hold all the power. God, that sickness that the doctor said that I'll never be cured of, I, I, I just believe that you're able to do above and beyond what I can even ask, think, or imagine because you're an all-powerful God and there is nothing too difficult for you. For thine is the power and the glory. You know, you know what I think the glory of God is? I think it's his goodness. Where do I get that from? Moses said, show me your glory in Exodus chapter 35. I want to see your glory. You know what God said? I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. I'm going I'm 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 to reveal to you my goodness. And that's why the psalmist said, surely your goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Thine, thine is the kingdom. Lord, you're in control. Thine is the power. Nothing's too difficult for you. And the glory. God, you're a good God. And your, your goodness is chasing me down. In Jesus' name. My heart, my desire, my hope is that we'll grow in this area of prayer. That husbands will begin to pray with their wives and families will commit time to prayer each week. That our small groups will go deeper in prayer. And again, that prayer will go from desire to discipline to delight. This then is how you should pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who uh, sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the Thine is the power. Thine is the glory. Forever and ever. Amen, everybody.